Hi, sweet friends. Welcome to the Love Your Bod Pod. This will probably be the last episode of the Love Your Bod Pod for the foreseeable future. It has been quite a journey since 2018 when I first started, and it is without a doubt very bittersweet to be ending this chapter of my life. On one hand, I've loved this work, building this business, hosting this podcast, meeting so many incredible people, helping others find peace and freedom with food and their body, and still with all of that, my soul is ready to move on, to do something different. Before I dive into today's episode, I want to let you know this is your very, very last chance to get my courses Embodied Rebel Masterclass or Food Body Soul The Academy. After this week, I'm going to be taking them down. If you haven't already, also be sure to check out my new book, One Day at a Time. It's on Amazon and Kindle. It's daily reflections to help you overcome food and body image struggles. In today's episode, I want to talk about my experience with chronic pain, as well as the lessons that I have learned from it, and how it played a role in my decision to retire from coaching and to close down this business. So I'm going to be answering questions that I've received from you guys over the last couple of months throughout the episode. So if you have shared any questions with me, know that I do get to them throughout the next however long it takes me to get through this. <laughs> so let's just dive in. I'm going to give you guys some backstory on how my pain started, just so you kind of have a full picture and you have some context. Like many, I have a point of injury for my chronic pain. It wasn't like it came out of nowhere. In 2020, I got a massage and the therapist was... It's the first time I ever had a man as a massage therapist, and he had really strong hands and applied quite a bit of pressure and was firm everywhere, including around my neck. And I woke up the next day in debilitating pain. So it took a moment for the pain to come on. It wasn't initial, but that next morning I could barely hold my head up and it felt like there was this intense compression happening in my neck as if like something was like pushing down on my head like smashing my vertebrae together or something there was compression and pressure and I called my girlfriend who's a doctor and I shared with her what I was experiencing and she said it sounded like a pinched nerve she didn't seem too alarmed or concerned about it at all she said go get some muscle relaxers from your primary care physician rest alternate between heat and ice and I should be fine in a few weeks to a month I also let the massage therapist know so that he could be more mindful and hopefully not hurt anyone else in the future. Fast forward a year and I still had neck pain. Now, a lot of people have asked me why I didn't sue the massage therapist. And part of the reason is that I didn't expect to be in pain for long. I thought I'd be fine in a month or so, like my PCP said, like my friend who's an MD said. And I just didn't want to go that route of suing for a variety of reasons. It didn't even like really cross my mind, but it was interesting how many people had asked me that. Maybe I could have gotten a payout and it could have covered some of my medical bills because I did spend quite a pretty penny trying to heal from the pain. 
Maybe I would have just had a really big headache from the stress of a lawsuit. I don't really know, but I am at peace with not suing this person. This person is a friend of a friend. He never meant to hurt me. He's a helper and a healer myself. And it's not something that I would ever want to be done to me if I were to make the mistake of having to, of having accidentally hurt somebody. He apologized. He's aware. And as I sit here now, I am not in that debilitating pain anymore. I'm mostly pain-free. So I'm at peace with not having sued this person in case that was one of your questions. Um, However, the neck pain was very truly debilitating and it really, really interfered with not only my quality of life, but just my life. I have always been somebody who works really hard and puts in a lot of hours and all of a sudden after this pain I was struggling to sit at my desk for more than an hour before my neck would be bothering me so much that I couldn't concentrate and I couldn't focus and I would need to go lay down on the heating pad to relieve the pain. The heating pad I found to be the most effective with my neck pain. Advil did nothing for it which to me was strange because Advil's always been effective at taking away any pain I've ever experienced but it didn't do anything for my neck pain and for several months about six or so months after the pain started I didn't try anything to help the pain subside one I was still under the impression that it would go away as doctors had said but I was doing a little bit of stretching at home And I was resting and I was alternating between heat and ice and so on. I could barely work out um, because I couldn't be on my feet for that long. And I was afraid that I would hurt myself more and cause more pain if I tried exercising. So I did become pretty sedentary um, as a result of this. And like I said, it really impacted my life. After many months, I finally got up the courage as well as the frustration with my pain to seek out some type of help. I was really hesitant, though, to let somebody touch my body again, rightfully so. I think that makes sense. Um, But I tried acupuncture. To me, that felt like, okay, a safe bet. I've read good things. I've heard good things. Although I know it works for some people, I didn't see much improvement after going multiple times a week for a couple of months. My insurance covered it, but I still had a copay every time. It was starting to add up financially, and I wasn't really finding any relief. So I came to the conclusion that acupuncture wasn't a solution to my problem. Then a couple months went by and everybody kept being like, see a chiropractor, see your chiropractor, see a chiropractor. And I was just like, hell no, I'm not going to let somebody like touch my neck. But I was really sick of being in pain. And my friend said she had a chiropractor that she trusted. She spoke super highly of him. He took my insurance. So I went to go see him. And it helped a little bit, but nothing substantial. And after seeing him for about four months with very little improvement, I stopped as well. Very similar reasons to the acupuncture. It was time consuming. It was costly. And I wasn't seeing results because I still, I still had a copay, um, even though my insurance covered it, some of it, not all of it. I even bought this fancy neck pillow that I saw advertised on Instagram So it's supposed to help with what is often referred to as tech neck. So like as people in the digital age, we always have our neck pushed forward. We're leaning over a computer or our smartphones. And then we sort of get this like round 
neck and this pillow like helps stretch out your spine. And I was laying on that every day for about 10 minutes. And I felt like I was helping a little bit, but I was still finding myself in pain, still needing to lay on the heating pad multiple times a day. Like I want to kind of paint the picture of just like how often I would need to take a break to go lay on the heating pad for my pain to subside um, so that I could like get back to my life, whatever was happening in my life at that time. Nothing was offering me significant relief though. The heating pad was also very temporary. So I decided to try some hot yoga and I did find myself after the yoga class initially I would actually be in more pain but then after a night's sleep I would wake up and I would have a mostly pain-free day not 100% but it was a noticeable reduction the following day but then the pain would just start to come back so I was like okay yoga is not you know I'm happy that I'm getting some movement in and exercising more but I don't know if that's going to solve my problems either At this point in the story, I'm about a year and a half into having pain in my neck and it's really starting to wear on my mental health. I fall asleep in pain. I wake up in the middle of the night from pain. I can't put in as many hours at work. I can't do all the things I used to do without being in pain. Like I get in the car and I'm in pain. I'm in the grocery store and I'm in pain. I'm sitting at the dinner table talking with people and I'm distracted by my pain I can't sit at my desk for very long. I'm not comfortable on the couch watching TV. I need to go lay down on my bed on the heating pad. Like it's just, it really was interfering with my life. And if you've ever had chronic pain, I'm assuming you can hear yourself in my speaking and in my story. I never asked for painkillers. One, because Advil wasn't working, so why would a stronger painkiller work? And two, I was afraid of getting hooked on a painkiller. I didn't want to numb the pain. I wanted to heal what was causing the pain. I didn't want a band-aid solution. I wanted a solution. And to me, taking painkillers, I didn't even try any past Advil. To me, that just wasn't what felt right for me and my personal situation. Having gone through this experience, I have so much compassion and empathy for people with chronic pain. It's really tough. And like I've said a couple of times, it really interfered with my life, not just my quality of life, but just my life. However, in early 2022, I was kind of starting to reach a breaking point. I was feeling depleted in every way from this pain, like exhausted mentally, emotionally, physically. And also in early 2022, I started noticing thoughts come up around wanting to quit coaching. Those thoughts were really distressing to me. I spent years building up this business. I've given my whole heart to it. I loved it. And here I was not wanting to do it. These thoughts were coming up of like, I don't want to, I don't want to get on Instagram today. I don't want to talk about binge eating. I don't really want to be on my coaching calls. It was strange. It was confusing. I was kind of having an identity crisis to some degree. Like who, like who is this person who doesn't want to do this thing that you love? What is going on? 
And I was trying to come up with an analogy that might resonate with you listening if you haven't gone through a situation like this. I was thinking like, oh, it might be kind of hard to put yourself in my shoes if you haven't experienced something similar where you've like put like blood, sweat, and tears into something and you've loved something so much and then all of a sudden you're starting to not really like it anymore and it's confusing. So I wanted to create, I wanted to come up with like a metaphor or or an analogy and the best one I came up with is being in a relationship, a long-term relationship, six or seven years, you're really invested in this person, your lives are really intertwined, and there isn't necessarily anything wrong, like there's no abuse or arguing or cheating or whatever, but for some reason, you're just unhappy. You're not in love anymore. There isn't a lot of passion. And even though this other person is an amazing person and things aren't bad between you, There's just this voice inside of you questioning whether or not you should stay. There's just this voice inside of you wondering if you should stay in this relationship, if you should actually marry this person or or whatever. But you rationalize with that voice or you sort of talk yourself out of what that voice is saying, that part of you is saying. You talk the voice down. Maybe you ignore it or you suppress it. But that voice inside of you is getting louder and louder and harder to ignore. Even though you care deeply about this person, you're not in love with them. And you can't deny this part of you that is like, ah, maybe it's time to break up. Even though you know it will be painful and stressful and you will have heartache and it will turn your life upside down. You just, there's just this knowing inside of you that it's the right move for you both in the long run to break up. It's kind of like that. It's like being in the wrong relationship with a really great person. Like the relationship just isn't great. Even though this person is amazing, the relationship is kind of, I don't want to say bad, but like something is just not right about it. It's a feeling. So that's kind of the analogy and the metaphor that I came up with. Here is something that I've been so passionate about for years and that passion was fading. And if I'm being honest, I ignored it and pushed through my resistance for a while. I rationalized it. I was afraid of it. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to, what will I do if I don't do this? I talked myself out of what that voice was saying to me, but it was becoming harder and harder for me to fight against myself like that, to create content which I have to do for this business to keep the business going, to attract clients. I was noticing more and more how resistant I was feeling to talking about this subject matter, you know, food freedom, intuitive eating, body image, anti-diet, anti-fat bias, just like all the things. I was noticing how like I wasn't excited to talk about these things in the way that I had been previously. Eventually, I was becoming exhausted from fighting through the resistance and like forcing myself to do what I needed to do to keep the business going. I was also exhausted from the neck pain because it would require me to go rest on the heating pad to help the pain subside. So coupled with my depleting passion for the subject matter, but using so much energy to fight against myself to continue to do what I needed to do in the business to take care of my responsibilities and my clients and to keep creating content and showing up on my social media platforms, eventually that exhaustion resulted in me spending an absurd amount of time in bed and on the couch, on the heating pad. And what ended up happening next is just kind of banana land to me. 
So last year, I don't remember exactly, I want to say like around the summertime-ish, I started to notice a new pain in my body start to occur in my hips. It was like this burning sensation all around my hip flexors. And I was getting to the point where I was in pain sitting down and I was in the pain standing up and walking around. And I was on a walk one day with Brent and I was like, I can't fucking keep walking. Like my hips are killing me. Like we have to turn back home. And then the next day I I called my doctor. I explained to them what was happening. They thought maybe I was having early onset rheumatoid arthritis because it runs in my family. So they brought me in. I got blood work. I got x-rays done and they found nothing, (laughs) nothing. So they sent me to a physical therapist and they said that And then the physical therapist was like, the pain is likely caused from a weakness in my hips from not moving enough, which was sort of hilariously evil because I now had pain caused from being bedridden from other pain. It was like my neck pain caused me to be sedentary and being sedentary caused my hip pain. And I was like, this is some kind of like cruel cosmic joke of the universe. Anyways, I started physical therapy. I was going two to three times a week. And I was noticing that it was helping my hips. Like they gave me exercises to do at home by myself. I was very committed to making sure that I did those exercises every single day. But it wasn't doing shit for my neck. And nobody, not the multiple doctors, chiropractor, acupuncturist, physical therapist, nobody understood what was happening in my neck. X-rays showed nothing. Nobody knew what was going on. Which of course had me thinking... That while, yes, I have this physical point of injury, at this point, the pain has to be at least somewhat a result of mental and emotional stuff. And my body was manifesting it physically to get my attention. I was starting to really ponder that because nothing else was making sense. So if you've been around this podcast for a while, then you probably have heard me share a metaphor or two and how using metaphors can help explain something where direct exact language can sometimes fall short um, or we need a metaphor to help to help us like sort of understand a a more complicated um, subject or concept or to really grasp the experience of something so here are some examples like if someone were to ask me like oh how did you know Brent was the right person for you I didn't actually say this, but hypothetically, I could say something like, oh, when I met him, I felt like I met my other half. Someone could really understand sort of that use of language instead of me being like, well, he likes house music and he likes to cook and um, he has a nice car, right? It's like, well, I'm sure there's a lot of people that like house music that like to cook and have nice cars. But when I say something like, oh, I felt like I met my other half, someone can really grasp that differently. Or if someone says, or if someone feels like you have weak resolve, they might say, grow a spine or have some backbone. Or if you find a solution or a resolution to a problem, you might say, oh, it feels like a weight has been lifted. Or my heart was beating like a drum. Or I've got a dark cloud looming over me. Or if you're dealing with a difficult situation, you might say, it's a pain in my neck. And you are probably starting to catch my drift here and how this is relating to me retiring from coaching. All of these figures of speech 
illustrate the very real mind-body connection that exists. And when we ignore things for too long that are not good for us or not in alignment, it absolutely can manifest like physical pain. It's our body trying to get our attention. The body is the subconscious mind, and one of the ways the subconscious mind communicates is through metaphor, but also through the body. Aches, pains, tensions, digestive issues, illness, disease. And there's absolutely a wide range of of science to back this up. To just give you one example, there was a randomized controlled study in 2013 with patients who had rheumatoid arthritis, and they wanted to test whether or not IFS, or internal family systems and parts work, which you all know I love if you've listened to this episode, this podcast for any amount of time, um, would be effective. And it turns out IFS was effective in reducing pain, depressive symptoms, and improving physical function and self-compassion. So this meant that pain from rheumatoid arthritis could be treated by addressing our mental and emotional worlds. That's really impressive. That's really cool. That's very compelling. And it was actually this study, this exact study on these rheumatoid arthritis patients that solidified IFS um, in becoming a legitimate uh, treatment modality. It was like what had IFS become an official um, healing tool like EMDR or um, cognitive behavioral therapy and so on. And I personally have a belief that the difference between the smoker who gets lung cancer and the smoker who doesn't is how well or poorly they addressed their mental and emotional worlds. I believe without a shadow of a doubt that unresolved, suppressed, ignored issues can and will manifest physically eventually. And the same is true with eating disorders. Unresolved trauma and mental and emotional pain can start to manifest as food intolerances, as discomfort in your body, disordered eating, eating disorders, and so on. So I started to get curious about whether or not some of my neck pain was my body's way of telling me I needed to stop resisting that voice inside, that part of me, yes, parts work, IFS, that no longer wanted to do something that I had been doing for so long. But even though I started to open myself up to the possibility, I was still very resistant to it. So I rationalized and I bargained and instead I decided to take a three-month break off social media late last year, which you may recall. I stopped taking on new clients. I just worked with the ones I already had and I hoped that with that three-month break, I would be ready to get back to my business, that my energy, my passion, my creativity would all come back after a three-month hiatus. I came back online and things were really not much different. I was a little more energized, but... I wasn't back to where I was hoping I would be. I still had neck pain and I was still struggling to talk about these issues. And I had to really be honest with myself about the fact that I'm 10 years into recovery and it's hard for me to relate to the struggles at this point. I'm really past my food rules, my food fears, my body image struggles. So just know that if you are struggling and in the thick of it, you can also get to this place too, where it's just so not a part of your daily life anymore. It's so You're so far past it that you don't even relate to it. On one hand, it's a beautiful thing that I've gotten to this place, even though on the other hand, it is really sad to um, no longer be helping those that are still struggling because these are obviously still very significant 
problems in our society that are causing a lot of pain for people. That's not, that's not lost on me by any means. And over the years, I've seen a lot of other anti-diet dietitians and coaches go through very similar experiences where they, they just like can't keep talking about these issues. So I know I'm not alone in this experience that I've gone through, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's a bit of a mind fuck to want to walk away from something that you're not only really good at, like I'm a really great coach. I've made a difference in a lot of people's lives, but also to walk away from something that you've built that is successful, that makes decent money, and that you also know helps the world become a better place and has made a difference in a lot of really wonderful people for a lot of wonderful people. It's, I don't know how else to say it, except that it is a mind fuck. And one day... I told my therapist that I th- I'm thinking about retiring from coaching. I told her this. And I felt a liberation of the pressure in my neck happen, like almost instantaneously. And I was like, that's really compelling. That's really interesting. And it was within a handful of weeks, not too long, that I finally made the decision. I am retiring from coaching. And over the next few days and weeks, I started to plan my retiring. I finished up my last book, One Day at a Time. I wanted that to be sort of like the bookend to this experience, this business, this chapter. I began planning out my final episodes of the Love Your Bod Pod. I let my clients know. And then eventually, I let all of you know. And day by day, I was noticing that the pain in my neck was actually decreasing. However, I have to also be upfront about the fact that after a couple of months of physical therapy, which I had done like in the summer-ish, earlier in the year, I felt well enough to start working out again. I started going to hot yoga bar and hot yoga sculpts and vinyasa classes about three to five times a week. And I've, I've kept that up for most of this year. And that has also made a really big difference, not only in my hip pain, but in my neck pain and my mental health as well. It wasn't just deciding to retire in and of itself, but I do firmly believe that was a huge part of me getting here right now. Something that I haven't touched on in this episode, and I'm not going to go into it in much depth, um, but I do feel like it deserves to be at least acknowledged here, is that you know in the previous year, last year, 2022, and a, and. Uh, maybe a month or two into 2023, um, the process of coming to the conclusion of closing my business down, coupled with being on this journey of two and a half years plus of chronic pain, absolutely left me in the worst mental and emotional state I have been in since my eating disorder days. I was going through a dark night of the soul, an ego death, an identity crisis, whatever you want to call it. I was just not well. I was depressed exhausted, confused, lost, sad, sleeping all the time, watching TV. I didn't want to get out of bed, but I never gave up. I kept trying to find solutions to get better, to feel better, to be happier again, right? I tried all of those different modalities, acupuncture, chiropractor, um, yoga. I got that neck pillow. I went to physical therapy. I hired a therapist. (laughs) I just was determined but it was hard. Like it was really hard the the last, you know, year or so 
getting to where I am now has been challenging. But I can tell you now, sitting where I am, that I'm mostly pain-free, almost 100% pain-free. I am happier. I have clarity. I feel like I'm finally like myself again. I feel like myself again. But this leads me to finally getting to the whole point of this podcast, which is lessons from chronic pain. And also to tell you why I'm retiring, but lessons from chronic pain. So let's get into those. This experience, first and foremost, has taught me to be grateful for what you have because you never know when it could be gone. I absolutely took for granted being pain-free. I took for granted my mobility, my flexibility, my energy, my strength. I took for granted how long I could, for how many hours I could work uninterrupted. But things start to change as you get older. And my boyfriend before my current partner, so like my most recent ex, he was 14 years older than me. And he would always joke. He'd be like, when you get older, you're going to understand that things just start to hurt. Sometimes out of nowhere. And he's right. You know, you don't heal as quickly or as well either, right? Like I can't drink the way I used to be able to drink. Like the hangovers are definitely more noticeable now. So it's really taught me to just be grateful for the body that I have right now and be grateful for the body you have right now, you listening, what it allows you to do. You never know when it might change or be gone, be different. Number two, this taught me that the body you have is always temporary. We keep getting older each year. Things keep changing each year. Obviously, We can try to fight against it. We can spend a lot of money on expensive treatments and procedures, but that doesn't truly stop time or aging. Only death does that, and it's coming for us all eventually. It's easy to constantly wish that it were different, that our body were different, right? But I learned that I need to enjoy what's in front of me. And I don't just mean my body. I mean everything. Like, I can look back on so many prior experiences and remember how I was often wishing to be somewhere other than where I was. And then when I would get somewhere else, I would look back and wished that I just enjoyed where I was previously. So I remember when I was studying abroad in Australia, how homesick I was and like how much I just wanted to be back in LA. And then when I got back to LA, I was like, fuck, I wish I just enjoyed my time in Australia more and didn't wish to be back in LA so much. Like I robbed myself to some degree of my experience by wishing to be somewhere other than where I was, which as you will learn is a big theme in all of these lessons. So I am understanding more now than ever the phrase be here now in such a deep and profound way. Be here now in this moment and this moment and this moment. This moment is literally all there is. The past and the future only exist in our minds. They're not actually real. The only thing that is real is this moment right now. In this moment. That's it. This is all there is. Whether it's a good moment or a sucky one, can you just be in it? Because eventually it will pass. It will be gone. So be here while it's here. Be present. Be here now. This has become my mantra and has been a really big lesson for me. Number three, it's around body image. We always seem to want to look like a past version of ourselves, don't we? Do you remember that trending audio from like a year ago? I I could not find it. I tried really hard and then I got, I just was like, fuck it. (laughs) 
I'm just going to describe it and hope you know what I'm talking about. Um, It went something along the lines of, I mean, it was like this beautiful girl, beautiful female voice, and she was speaking in a non-American accent. And it says something like, um, when you were 18, you wanted the bum you had at 16. When you were 21, you wished your stomach looked like it did at 18. And when you're 27, you wished you just enjoyed the body you had at 21. And at 35, you wished you realized how beautiful you were at 27. And then you're 40, and you wished you didn't hate the body you had at 35. And then you're 50, and you realize, wow, you would not be mad if you looked like you did at 40. And eventually, you will be 80 or 90 on your deathbed, struggling to go to the bathroom or to bathe yourself. And you're going to realize that you spent your entire life hating your body while you still had a body that allowed you to enjoy your life. And that through all that time, you really didn't look that bad. But you struggled to enjoy your life because you kept wishing you had a different body than the one you had. And now you're here with this body that can't do anything on its own. That's starting to deteriorate. And yes, you're filled with pers- you're filled with perspective, but also regret. So the audio went something like that. So I think you you know what I mean, right? Like I want to be able to enjoy my life and not keep wishing I looked like I did when I was younger. I don't want the fact that I'm not the hottest thinnest, tightest, sexiest bee get in the way of me enjoying my life. And I'm curious if you listening, if you're doing this thing right now where you're, you wished you looked like you did 10 years ago, but 10 years ago you wished like you did, you looked five years prior. Are you doing that thing? Do you wish you looked like you did when you were 20, 25, 18? I don't know how old you are, but are you doing that thing? Because in five to 10 years from now, you're going to wish you just enjoyed what you looked like right now. You really are. So be here now. Enjoy the body you have now. It's temporary. And we're all going to blink and be 80 and be in our deathbed and wish we just fucking enjoyed the body we had while we had it. And this is something I talk about at multiple times throughout my book uh, in One Day at a Time. Daily Reflections for Overcoming Food and Body Image Struggles. You can find it on Amazon. But number four, the fourth lesson was around health. Um, And I'm going to share with you one of the passages from One Day at a Time that has to do with this. Um, So here's from the book. I went back to Chicago to visit family, particularly my grandma who was in the hospital. All of the conversations around deteriorating health that come with age leave you with some fresh perspective. I can't help but think of how having a disordered relationship with food makes it hard for us to enjoy what should be the healthiest years of our life. Instead of nourishing our able bodies with food and enjoying all they allow us to do in this world, we are angry at them for not meeting some arbitrary beauty standard. We starve them, punish them, talk negatively to them, and we put our life on hold because of what they look like. But our lives aren't waiting for us. Time keeps passing us by and life keeps happening because life is now. And it's so very fleeting. Watching my grandmother's body break down reminds me that my body is still healthy and able. And I am so grateful that I no longer spend my days loathing my body. 
It's my only vessel to enjoy my one and only life. I'm so grateful. My point is, it's possible that the body you have right now, that you hate right now, will be the body you wish you cherished more once it's gone. She can't go to the bathroom on her own. She's on machines and medication. Her body is withering away. And we spend so much time hating our bodies for not looking the quote right way. We take it all for granted. And then one day we are going to wake up, we are going to blink, and we are going to be in the same position as my grandma. I don't want to get there and realize I took my body for granted. I want to enjoy being healthy. I want to enjoy feeling physically well, mentally and emotionally well, as best I can while I am. I know life ebbs and flows. It's just how it is. So I don't want to take it for granted. There will come a time in my life where I'm not as healthy in all of the ways I am now, where I will struggle to complete a yoga class or to walk around Disneyland all day or to have the energy that I have and so on. So while I still can do all of those things in the body that I have, I want to be grateful and present. I want to be here now with the body I have now. And I want to stop hating it for not being perfect because it is such a waste of time and it's a waste of our life. And that brings me to lesson five, exercise and movement. One of the things that this really taught me, this experience with chronic pain, like it taught me it in a way that I I thought I got it, like I thought I understood this, um, but going through this experience, I feel like I get it in a much deeper, more profound way than I ever did. And that is how relating to exercise and movement like a punishment because of exposure to diet culture is such a theft. It's a theft from you. It's a robbery of your relationship with your body, your relationship with life. While yes, working out can feel like work, like it's not always easy or pleasant when you're in the middle of it. It's typically something that you feel really great about on the other side, <laughs> you know, whether that's a high from the endorphins or from the accomplishment or from the challenge or from doing something you said you wanted to do, or maybe it's because you went on that epic hike and got to see some amazing views, whatever it is. I know that sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it kind of sucks and it's more pleasant on the other side of it, but Relating to movement like it's a punishment is a theft. For me, I feel much lighter on the other side of exercise. And I don't mean like in weights or pounds on the scale, but like with a release of tension and tightness. It's like my body will be tense. And then after a, a, a sweaty yoga sculpt class or yoga bar class, it's like, there's oh, just like this release of that tightness. There's a spaciousness in my body that I feel after exercise, a sense of like relaxation and accomplishment and a, recently a decrease in pain and an increase in mobility and flexibility. I sleep better. I have more energy. I'm in a better mood. Moving in ways that you enjoy is one of the greatest pleasures in this life, just like eating is one of the greatest pleasures in this life. And diet culture robs us of it. It fills it with shame and punishment and stress and anguish and resistance and it really sucks. And so I want you to take it back for yourself. Reclaim your relationship with movement and exercise. Find something you love doing and enjoy being able to move and engage in it while you can. Because at some point, we're not going to be able to do it anymore. I have absolutely gone through phases in my life where I haven't engaged in consistent movement past maybe the occasional walk, no judgment, just sharing the facts. 
But after going through this experience where I was basically sedentary for a variety of reasons for a couple of years, now I'm back to working out multiple times a week. I never want to take it for granted again. And I never want to go prolonged periods without exercising as long as I am capable of moving my body. Now, I don't mean I'm not going to like rest if I need to rest or, you know, if I'm on vacation, whatever. That's not what I mean. But I want to remain consistent from here on out because there are so many positives from exercise and from movement and we deserve to have a really powerful, healthy, positive, um, exciting relationship with movement. You deserve this. So do what you need to do to take back your relationship with movement that diet culture stole from you. Do whatever you need to do. Listen to past episodes of this podcast. Check out my books. Get some help. Movement is one of the best things. You deserve to have an awesome relationship with it where you get excited, where you want to do it. You deserve that and I want that for you and it's possible. And I'm so grateful for where I'm at with exercise now through this experience. All right, lesson six. Also about movement. It really truly is not about weight loss or looking good. When I was in my late teens and my early 20s, that's all I cared about in regards to movement. I just wanted to be skinny. I want to lose weight. I want to look good. But that is just not what it's about for me anymore. Like, my God, this is a such a big lesson for me that I relearned through this whole experience. I haven't worked out to look good in a long time, but after being in chronic pain, all I cared about was being pain-free and feeling good. I wanted to have less pain. I wanted to maintain strength, mobility, and flexi- flexibility as I age. Yes, it's about enjoying activities you love and feeling the joys of moving or challenging yourself, having new experiences, clearing your mind, mental health, and so on. But it's also about your bones and your heart and true health as you age. Like I mentioned, I've been practicing a lot of yoga bar and yoga sculpt. And a really cool experience that I've had over the last several months is that I started out not using weights. And then eventually I worked up to using two pound weights. And recently I started using three pound weights. And it's just really cool to experience myself building strength and to pushing and challenging myself in class. And I hope to continue to build strength and use heavier weights over time. It's just not about looking hot anymore. I, I'm talking about taking care of yourself so you can continue to enjoy your life while you're living it. So at least right now in my 30s, it's all about mobility, flexibility, and staying active as I age so I can keep doing the things well into my 80s or 90s or however long. And that's really what it's about for me these days. It doesn't have anything to do with looking good. And then we have two more left and they're short. Number seven, stop ignoring that voice inside. You know the one I'm talking about. The one you are resisting, rationalizing, talking around or over, justifying, suppressing. That one. Listen to it. Get curious about it. Talk to it. It's there for a reason. Listen. Or it just might manifest into chronic pain or illness. Number eight. Don't give up if you're in chronic pain. Don't give up if you're struggling with food in your body. Keep the faith that you can become pain-free, that you can heal. I didn't give up. I did acupuncture, chiropractor, cupping, yoga, physical therapy, 
I made some dramatic life choices. I was, I saw a therapist. I redid the landmark form in the advanced course, all in an effort to find relief, to feel physically well and mentally and emotionally well. And if you haven't yet considered that your physical pain is the manifestation of unresolved mental and emotional pain, now is the time. The body is the subconscious mind and it will create physical pain and illness to get your attention. A couple of additional resources if you're wanting to learn more about this is you can check out Dr. John Sarnos's book. It's called Healing Back Pain. And then you can also just look more into internal family systems therapy as well. And obviously there's a ton of other resources, but those are two that I've come across and have found helpful. Okay, so I'm just going to quickly reiterate those lessons. Le- uh, lesson one is be grateful for what you have. You never know when it could be gone. Lesson number two, the body you have is always temporary. Lesson three, body image. Stop wishing to look like a past version of yourself because the version that you are right now is going to be a version you wished you enjoyed once it's gone. Number four, uh, <laughs> a lesson around health. Don't take for granted your the healthiest years of your life because uh, at one point we're going to be old and getting sick and dying. Number five, reclaim your relationship with movement. It's one of the beautiful pleasures in this life. You deserve to enjoy it and have a positive relationship with it. Number six, exercise is not about looking good. It's about mobility, flexibility, strength, remaining active as you age. Number seven, stop ignoring that voice inside. And number eight, don't give up. Okay. Wow. What an episode. What an amazing seven years it's been. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me and my work. Thank you to all my previous clients, my friends, my colleagues, my listeners. Coaching has been truly a beautiful, amazing experience. I'm so grateful for it. And I also know that it's time to move on and to do other things. Please know that you can DM me on Instagram if you have any follow-up questions or comments, or if you want to just let me know that you listened, I would love to hear from you. I'm going to leave this podcast up for the foreseeable future, so feel free to listen to past episodes um, that you haven't listened to or listening to them again. Please just please check out my new book, One Day at a Time. And this is your last week to get into Embodied Rebel Masterclass or Food Body Soul if you're wanting to check those out. All right, my loves, I hope you have a really beautiful day. Thank you so much for listening.